Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. This is Chelsea with Nimrod Outdoors, and I am just wanting to reach out and say we are looking for some business partners. And what that looks like is a business or an individual who wants to sponsor the ministry for $100 a month. And with that, you get your own place on the website where people can check you out, as well as click on links to your uh, Instagram, Facebook, website, whatever it is, your contact info. But then we also want to start giving you guys shout outs on our podcast. Um, So if you're interested, in becoming a business partner or learning more about it, please check us out at our website at nimrodoutdoors.com. Um, or you could also send us an email at contact at nimrodoutdoors.com. Thanks so much. Well, what's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier with the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, and it has been a couple weeks since we dropped our last podcast, uh, and that's going to be something kind of on the regular. Uh, We're going to go to a bi-weekly uh, podcast episode drop. Uh, and so you can look forward to that going in through the year. Every other week, uh, we will be trying to bring new content to you. But in the life of the Dozers, man, it has been a wild ride the past two weeks. We had Christmas, uh, and five days before Christmas, we had uh, the birth of our brand new daughter, Joey Ruth. Um, she is doing great. Mama's doing great, and uh, we couldn't be happier. But let me tell you what, adjusting to now having three kids under the age of six in the house and trying trying to get uh, Ridgely and Matthias to understand that now we have an infant and you can't bounce off the walls like crazy and there's times in which you got to be quiet um, has definitely been an adjustment period for everybody involved. Um, I keep telling people we have to have grace upon grace. Uh, I tell my kids I got to give you grace and you got to give me grace and you got to give your mama grace. And so it has been uh, quite the adventure over the past two weeks. But we're going to try and get back into a routine, get back after it, um, and hopefully continue to bring y'all great content through uh, the podcast here. Uh, but today, what I want to talk about is something that uh, is more kind of my uh, comes from my testimony, but it is also something that I think is very needed to be heard inside the church today. Uh, and the title of this episode is More Than Occupants. So a little bit about my testimony is I grew up in the church uh, from the time I was born all the way up. Uh, I was always in the church. My parents were at the church. My parents were very, very uh, good about raising me up with a biblical foundation. Uh, devotions in the mornings, uh, talking about theology around the dinner table, uh, loving on me, telling me, giving me lessons throughout my life of you know what God expects and all that. Um, and they did a great job. But there came a point in my life where I no longer could chase the coattails of their faith and the faith that I had had to become my own. It had to become personal. And I can remember it was I was in college, um, and up until this point, I had lived a great, good Christian life. Um, I was the morally good kid. I was the kid that said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, please. I was the kid that uh, never went to parties. My parents never had to worry about me. I was just straight-laced, actually, all the way through school, uh, elementary, middle, high school. I never got a single detention ISS or got suspended from school. Um, I was always on class on time. I was just a great kid. Uh, But 
there came a time, again, that I had to make my faith my own. And even though I was living this good Christian life, and by all outward appearances, anybody that saw me or ran into me or uh, interacted with me on a daily basis, they would always say, he is a great Christian kid. Um, but the Holy Spirit challenged me on this. And one day I was working for my dad. I was in college and a verse had pricked my heart um, at church the night before. And it was John 14, 6. And John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, for I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, being a good Christian kid, this was not a new verse to me. This was something that uh, I had heard many times, but something just pricked my heart in that moment. And so I wrestled with it as I drove a route truck through Atlanta, delivering batteries. Um, I actually wrote it on a post-it note, put it on the steering wheel of my truck. And every chance I got, I looked at it, I'd read it, um, and I'd just mull over it. And about halfway through the day, it was like the Holy Spirit came in that truck and he revealed the trueness of my heart to me. And it really, when I read that verse and it says, for no one comes to the Father except through me, deep down in my heart, the way I was reading it was, no one comes to heaven except through me. See, what I, what I realized in that moment is that I wanted heaven more than I wanted Jesus. See, my life up until this point was all about attaining heaven. It was just about getting to heaven, whatever I need to do to go to heaven. Now, growing up in the Baptist church, we have a bad uh, habit of asking people, well, do you know where you're going when you die? Or you want to go to heaven, right? You don't want to go to hell. And so we place a lot of emphasis on heaven itself. And yes, heaven is great. But here's the thing, that should not be the object of our faith. Heaven is not the object of our faith, Jesus should be the object of our faith. And so I wanted heaven more than I wanted Jesus. And I was comfortable in just living the good Christian life. Um, and I can remember in college, after this, like a, a conversation I had a couple months earlier in a college baseball game came to light. And I remember we were playing North Greenville University. Um, and I ran into the starting pitcher before the game. He was warming up on the sidelines and he just kind of chatted with me and he said, Hey, he said, do you know Jesus? And I was like, yeah, man, I love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. And he was like, man, that's great. He said, what are you doing for him? And I just kind of sat there and I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing for him? I, I'm doing my devotions. I'm living the good Christian life I'm supposed to be living. And I said, I, I'm not, I'm not real sure what the answer is. Um, and this kid's name was Walter. And he looked at me and he said, see, this is one thing I know. God has given me the gift to throw this baseball so that I can tell more people about Jesus. And that just floored me. And I, I thought it was kind of odd and weird. And I was like, okay, great, man. And I, I forgot about it. But in the moment of sitting in this truck and the Holy Spirit revealed to me that the true intentions of my heart in living this good Christian life or a quote unquote following after Jesus was about heaven and not about him. The conversation with Walter came to light and I realized that Walter was living his life in pursuit of Jesus and using the gifts and abilities that Jesus had given him to continue to build his kingdom. See, Again, I was living the good Christian life, but I was not living a life following after Christ. I was just merely wanting to be an occupant of heaven rather than be a participant in the building of the kingdom. And this really struck me as I, I had a crisis in my life now 
Because if we really want to talk honestly about it, heaven itself became an idol above Jesus. See, I just wanted to do the status quo bare minimum to get to heaven. And just as long as I could get to heaven, I was doing good. But as I dive into scripture and as I look further into the word of God, Jesus doesn't call us to just live a good life. Jesus calls us to be radical and to get out there and to honestly sometimes get get in the thick of it in order to follow after him. You see, there's an account of Jesus talking about the rich young ruler in Mark. It's in Mark chapter 10, verses 17. It starts in verse 17. And it says this, it says, And as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. And then he says, You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept with my youth. And Jesus, looking at him and loved him, he said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, the rich young ruler was more focused on just being an occupant of heaven, just like I was. See, what did he ask Jesus? He said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? He didn't ask, what must I do to follow after you? He was asking, what must I do to reap the reward of being a good Jewish boy? Or in my case, being a good Christian boy. So Jesus saw through the facade and basically gave him two things to become a participant in the, he- in, in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wanted to take him from just merely being an occupant and wanted to give him a purpose and a cause in the kingdom itself. So he gave him two things. He said, sell his possessions and follow Jesus. So here's, here's my thing to you is God may not be asking you to sell all your possessions like he is the rich young ruler, but what God is asking and what Jesus is asking is that you surrender it all to him. You are willing to push all the chips in on the counter and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go, no matter the cost. That's what he was trying to get the rich young ruler to understand is Just living a good, morally good life was not going to make it. He even said, you are lacking one thing. So if this man had lived a good moral life his whole life, would he have inherited eternal life? Would he have actually been sitting in heaven with Jesus when his time came? That's a great question. Well, let's go further and we look into John chapter 6, starting in verse 55. And this is an account of Jesus interacting with his disciples. There was the 12 disciples, but then there was also a multitude of others. And Jesus is talking with them, and he says this. He said, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me, and I am him. As the living sent sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. And, and it says, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread your fathers ate and then died. And that ends verse 58. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that we have to abide in Christ. We have to abide in Jesus. 
He's making it kind of, it's an odd statement, like, okay, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. But what he is saying is we are fully consumed by Jesus and we are willing to rest our life on him and who he is and what he has called us to do, not just live a morally good life. See, the disciples didn't like this, or most of the disciples didn't like it. They didn't understand it. And so in verse 60, it says, when many of the disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And then in verse 66, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So listen to me here. We have disciples, okay? When we talk about disciples, we talk about people that are following after Jesus. That on all exterior purposes, from the outside looking in, they are following Jesus and they are good Christian people. But these disciples had the same heart issue that I had as a kid, is that I was just following Jesus for the benefit of heaven. See, the disciples walked away because they were just wanting to reap the benefit of heaven without actually having to make the sacrifice to become a participant in the kingdom. See, when things got hard, they bailed. They were like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what this is about. I'm just here because... I was told that if I do these things, then I will reap the benefit of heaven. The true disciples, though, they sacrificed everything to follow after Jesus. And the question I have is, if those 12 disciples didn't actually continue to follow after Jesus, and they were satisfied with being occupants of heaven, just like the other disciples that walked away were, would we have the gift of the gospel today? That's a great question. And we see an engagement between Jesus and the 12 disciples a few verses down. And it says this, Jesus said in verse 67, So Jesus said to the 12, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Basically, Peter's saying, we've given you everything. We've put it all in. We have nothing left except to follow you. And see, that's what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is not calling us to have one foot in the world and one foot following him. Jesus wants everything. And this is what Peter acknowledged. Is he said, whom shall we go? Where, where are we going to go? We've, we've given up our homes. We've given up our families. We've given our life to follow after you, to pursue the things that you have called us to. And he says, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how morally of a good life you live. If your pursuit of following after Jesus is just merely to be an occupant of heaven and not become a participant in the kingdom's work, then I have to ask you, are you truly a believer? Are you truly following after Jesus? See, I am grateful that these disciples chose to be participants in the work of the kingdom because if they had not chose that, then I wouldn't be standing here today and you wouldn't be able to listen to this understanding the gospel of Christ because it takes us following after Jesus and pushing into the darkness and getting into the thick of it and doing hard things to push forward the gospel of Christ. You see it all through the book of Acts. You see that the disciples, they were beat because they continued to push forward on Christ. They were murdered because they continued to push forward for Christ. They were persecuted. They were ridiculed. They were made fun of because they were pursuing after Christ. 
Most of us, I would have to say most of us in the church today, when things get remotely hard, just a little bit hard, are we going to be like the disciples that said, I'm out, I'm done. See, those people are just, are just occupants of heaven. They're not actually in it to participate in the building of the kingdom. So what happens to people that are just occupants and not participants? Well, if we look up in Matthew chapter 7, and this is a part of scripture that terrifies me, and it is something that uh, drives me every day and asks my, it makes me ask myself and examine myself and my walk with the Lord. And in Matthew 7, chapter 21, verse 23, Jesus is speaking and he says this in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Verse 22 says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, here's the thing. In the back half of 21, it says this. It says, not everyone who says the Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. Are we doing the will of the father? Are you doing the will of the father? Well, how do we know what the will of the father is? We follow after Jesus. We do his will, no matter what it costs. That's what Jesus is saying here. The only ones that will inherit the kingdom of heaven are the ones that do the will of my father. So if we are called to do the will of the father and not just live good moral lives, my question for you today is, what is God asking you to do? And yes, the Ten Commandments, great. Love your neighbor, great. But is he asking you to do more? Is he asking you to be radical just like he asked the rich young ruler? Sell everything, give to the poor, and come follow me. Is he asking you to do what he asked the disciples when he sent them out? He said, do not take a an extra cloak. Do not take a tunic. Do not take any extra food. Just go. And whoever takes care of you, takes care of you. That's radical. But that's what Jesus asked them to do. And so they did it. Or is your faith merely just sitting in a church one hour on a Sunday, soaking, sitting and souring, and not actually doing the will of the Father? You are just merely living out the status quo of living the good, quote unquote, good Christian life. See, God has asked more of us than that. He's asked us to do his will. In order for us to do that, we have to ask radical and dangerous and hard questions of, Lord, what do you want of me today? And whatever he asks you and whatever he tells you to do, you say, I will go do it. Here I am. Send me. Hey, here's a word from you guys, for you guys. And I hope that it has encouraged you. I hope that it has challenged you. And remember, as always, Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on into the darkness to shine the light of Jesus. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.